This is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer from the island of Kauai. And together we're spirit speakers where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hi, and welcome to this new episode on Lightworkers. Now, Lightworkers is a term that we have used many times in other episodes, and we thought it might be nice to define that a little bit. So we're going to devote this entire episode to Lightworkers. Now, Jude, I'm curious to hear what your definition of Lightworkers is, but I'll start with mine. So I see Lightworkers as beings that are here to make the world a better place, to elevate themselves and others to higher levels of consciousness and wholeness. They help us move towards a higher frequency, and they're oftentimes super empathic people, old souls, highly sensitive beings, star seeds. Lightworkers can come from many different places. And it's going to be fun hearing about your light workers because I know they're going to be pretty galactic, the ones that you've seen and worked with. So a light worker, you know, I feel like you can just see them. They're people that just have an awareness of themselves. They've done their work. They're they're mystical. They're on a spiritual journey. They're working to find their true authentic selves. They're intuitive. They're spiritually connected. And they're just people that are here that encourage kindness and love and peace and equality. And they've dedicated themselves to self-awareness, self-growth, and to help others here on the planet. Now, that's my definition. And a light worker can show up in many, many different ways. Not every healer is a light worker and not every light worker becomes a psychic or a healer. There are many that are here that are just sharing the light that they are with the world and that is their work. So we are going to be talking about them and sharing our experiences with light workers. What's your definition of a light worker? So yes, I would agree with everything that you said. And I was wanting also to make the point that not all light workers are aware that they are light workers. There are many oh. unaware light yes. workers. Good one. Light workers essentially to me are very advanced, very experienced souls who come here with a primary purpose of bearing light, shedding light, bringing light, healing with light, adding light whether or not that's something that they do naturally by just being a vessel or a portal for light, unaware of the fact that they are just running at a higher frequency, or if there's somebody who will dig through their lives to have a great awakening, to step into their light worker path and actually consciously facilitate healings or energy work of some sort. I mean, there's so many different ways in which a light worker can manifest. Are all people light workers? No, as you said. And I do agree with that statement that not all people who are in the healing arts are necessarily light workers. And just because you aren't in the healing arts path doesn't mean that you aren't one either. It's a very broad spectrum of what would define a light worker to me. But the one congruent theme that I see amongst everybody that I would perceive as a light worker is that their primary purpose before they incarnated was to bring light and to raise the vibration of this planet in whatever way they choose to do it. I totally agree, Jude. It's a super interesting topic. And we have talked about how we can read people and they can walk in or they show up in Zoom and we're like, oh, they're a fairy or, oh, they're, they're super advanced or, oh, they have these kind of traits. And for me, it's the same thing with people that are, like you said, very advanced, or even if they're not advanced spiritually, 
I have a lot of readings with people that are just getting in touch with their spirituality, but they are so high vibrational beings and they came in as like workers, but there's sometimes is a little bit of a divine timing piece. It's almost like they're dealing with their own karma. They're going through a self-awareness experience or journey. And then they get to a place where, oh, wait, I'm starting to feel like I need to give back or I need to help, or what do I do with all this? Or I'm sensing this. So, so as soon as I see them, I'm like, oh, they're a light worker, but you know, that can have so many different meanings and they can be a light worker in so many different levels. And there are beings that are here. And we've talked a little bit about volunteers, souls that have already done their karmic journey and they're done. They passed over and they're done with their incarnating. And then they've come in as a volunteer to help us either to witness what we're going through right now or to help the planet raise in vibration. And there are many, many of them right now. And it's super interesting to read because so many of them have had really potent past lives that you can really see that they have done this or attempted to bring light into the planet and to help humanity in many, many different lifetimes. And then they're here because hopefully this is a biggie, you know, like we're actually going to do it this time and make a big shift. So they're here with excitement to help this. So sometimes they're here just to just their energy being here on the planet is raising the consciousness and raising the vibration without them necessarily doing anything about it. Yeah, I think let's speak of that. The, one of the things that I have noticed is the older generations who come in as what I would considered to be light workers, but they are people that I don't think are necessarily aware of it. They hold a higher vibration. They have a strong viewpoint of the world. They're able to see what's wrong and how it needs to be improved. They tend to be more nurturing, more empathic, more caring. And I see them vibrationally as sort of sweeping everything up, clearing away the static to make room for the following generations that were going to be more conscious and more aware that they were here to bring the light. And I see that in the younger generations and the younger they get, the more aware they are that they came here to save the world. Like I read young people all the time that tell me I knew from as long as I can remember that I came here to save this planet. There certainly are a lot of people through all the generations that don't necessarily know consciously that they're here to do specifically that, but they just have a good nature and they do good things and they impact the people around them and then the collective in a positive way just by being a well-intentioned good person doing good in the world and trying to make things better i fully agree it, it's interesting what you're saying about some of the older generations and about some of the younger kids coming in because without looking at that the actual ages of people i feel like there are many people that are old souls like those volunteers that i spoke about that have had many human experiences that are here to either witness this or to be part of it or to assist in it and then there are all of these star seeds and newer souls that have had none or very few human lives that have been, you know, watching the planet and are here to kind of infuse the planet with this higher frequency, this higher energy to help us raise up into a higher dimension. And so I feel like the old souls and the new souls are here supporting one another. And it's just a time where I'm, it's almost like they can get be categorized into either one of those right now. It just seems like they're all coming together from, from these different levels to help shift things and find balance and help us balance the physical and the spiritual and help us move into those higher dimensions. Are you feeling that too? Do you feel like you're seeing a lot more people that fit one of those categories? Totally. And I think that we are at this particular point in time in our existence in an accelerated ascension 
place. So a lot of people who may have just been really well-meaning good people for a long time and now they're maybe in their older years are suddenly having an even greater and more massive spiritual awakening where they are becoming very conscious of the fact that they have healing gifts and they suddenly want to use them, you know, in these like latter years of their life, in addition to all the other generations that uh, came after them that might be younger and stepping into their gifts. You know, there's a lot of light workers who maybe had a very toxic and ugly energy for a good number of years. I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I was not a vibrationally high person for uh, most of my youth. And I had to break through my trauma and my wounds and like pull myself up into a higher frequency to be able to become the light worker that I was intended to be. And I think that there is a great awakening happening and a lot of people are becoming more conscious of the fact that this is what they came here to do. They're remembering that that was the purpose of them being here. And I absolutely see that, that uh, the more awareness that we're getting consciously as, as human beings here on the planet, that we're here to make that this is why ultimately we're here is to make the shift and to make the change. It's almost like we're all sort of lining up together. We're all gathering together. And there really, at the end of the day, isn't going to be any difference between whether you came generations ago and if you're a new soul who's never been here. It's all for the the same purpose. It's all just to lift us higher. Yes. And, you know, we have talked, we have used the term advanced soul. And I would just like to clarify that a little bit. An advanced soul doesn't mean you've had 13 years of psychic classes. You have gone to a point where you're able to astral travel, where you can read other people's minds. You've, it's not calculated that way. When you are a, an advanced soul, you have come in with the desire to work on yourself, to have self-awareness and to be of service to others. Now, again, this may play out in you becoming a healer or a psychic or, or a Reiki master, or this may just be that you just have an awareness of it and you pass that around as you live in this life. This is not something that you have to achieve to become a light worker. You just are. That's just why you're here. You're just heart-centered. You just care. You just live on a, on a vibrational frequency of love. You know, I, I read somebody the other day from New Zealand. She was um, a beautiful woman and she was just so light and bright and had the most beautiful energy around her. And I said, you know, you're such a light worker. And I said, it's like, you just go around passing out love and sparkles to people. And she just kind of laughed. And she said, well, I, I like kind of literally do that. And she's a flight attendant. And she said, as she's walking down the aisles, when she hands someone their food, she says to herself, here's some love for you. Here's some light for you. Here's, uh, you know, the energy of balance. So actually while she's handing out food, she is setting that intention. Now she doesn't need to change her job and, you know, stop being a flight attendant. She loves being a flight attendant. She doesn't need to stop being a flight attendant and now be a psychic. She is a light worker and she's doing her part by just spreading that love and sharing that love. Now a light worker can walk down the street and the people they pass feel better and they're they hand out light to people. They're the people that, you know, when you're ordering your taco, you compliment the person or you really ask them how they are. You act like you care because I think we don't realize how sometimes that might be the only attention or the only smile that person gets that whole day. And if we can offer some kind of kindness to someone else and it raises their vibration, that's the goal right here. Just like Jude said, we're trying to accelerate our ascension. We're trying to lift the frequency of our planet. And the more kind 
lightness we share and the more light and love we share with others, the more that happens. And we need to get more, you know, as many people on board as we can and have as many people as possible in that space. So a light worker can be someone that doesn't even have the awareness that that's what they're doing, but they're just doing it by who they are. It's not, it's not what you do. It's who you are and how you use that and how you share that or offer that. I agree with everything that you said. And I love that image of the flight attendant going down and handing me a sandwich of love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've seen this in readings with certain people where their soul is in full agreement to be brought and placed wherever their energy is needed in order to help and support. So they're not necessarily, as you said, um, these you know, psychics and taking all these classes and working in that way, they're your everyday person. But I also feel like those people know at least on a little bit that they're here to spread light. Like they might not want to define it as light worker or maybe they don't know exactly what it is, but on some level, if there was any ever any person that I said this to, they had some sort of awareness that that was what they were doing, that they were spreading joy and love and sweetness and kindness in the world in every way that they can. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like light workers are these little twinkling lights that are kind of implanted throughout the world where they're needed. And some are in pretty obvious places and some are not in obvious places. But I wanted to ask you about one thing. So light workers are not annoyingly happy and bubbly 24-7. That's not what this means. This does not mean that this is somebody that doesn't get upset, that doesn't have challenges, that doesn't have any karma, that is just able to be in a higher frequency all the time. It's more of someone who is aware of that and strives to be there and strives to be of assistance to others and be in their highest self. But however, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, there are people that are shadow workers. There are people that go into the dark and help transmute that energy or, you know, and we have to have the dark in order to have the light and the dark has its role and has its place. And so it's not a matter of ignoring the dark. It's more of working on a more of a, a vibrational frequency level. So Jude, you have much more experience in this than I do. So how would you, can you just talk on that? There are people that have an ability to tap into the dark and have an awareness of it. And that do a lot of shadow work, which I feel, even though the name seems to be contradictory are also light workers. Absolutely. So I, I love this point. And as we were speaking of earlier, where I think that there are a lot of light workers who just embody, they're like this portal for light to come in and they're, they have this abundance, almost this infinite source of light that they're able to give out with their living their everyday life. And just as with any great team that comes in, and I'm speaking of the collective of light workers, everybody's going to have a different role and a different skill set. And one of the things for especially the very psychic, sensitive, clairvoyant type people who have an ability to see and feel energy that's out of place, they have a specific role and they are here to recognize where energy is out of balance and shift and move those energies out and bring light in. So they are light workers. They're just needing to address these energies that are out of balance first. Uh, I would put myself in that category. And uh, I think a lot of people who end up going into the healing arts specifically are that type of light worker. So I think I um, have a couple questions for you because I, you know, 
I stay in my little percentage of light and I don't really go far out of that, even though you have helped me be, have a better awareness of the dark. Now you, as somebody that can do light work as well as shadow work, do you feel that you have an awareness and have worked with the dark leading up to this point now to be able to shift that darker energy into lighter frequencies? Or do you feel like you are here to bring that into balance? Like how do we utilize the dark along with the light in this place and time right now where we're, we're trying to move into a higher frequency and a higher dimension? Actually, that's a really great question. Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, I feel like I went through all of these really dark, terrible experiences. And in hindsight, it made me realize that I needed to feel those frequencies. I needed to understand those dimensions and those energies and emotions and all of that, because it sort of gives me an upper hand um, and resistance, resilience to being able to feel those energies with my clients and not be too overwhelmed by them, you know, and so that gives me an advantage to be able to work with those darker vibrations with indifference. Like I don't have any judgment or fear around them. And so I'm able to move with them and work with them a little bit more freely. Whereas other empaths who haven't had that experience or are comfortable in those dimensions, uh, I don't know if they would. I can't speak for them, but I'm, I feel like that would be the case, which is why you particularly don't want to go into that, to be in a room full of dead people, like yelling and screaming at you. Whereas me, <laughs> I don't want that either, but I would be more comfortable in it than you. You'd be like, oh, hell no, I'm out. Like, boom, you would be like calling in. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, no, no, Patty, calm down. Like, let, let's see what they want. Let's let's chill. <laughs> like, I, I feel like we would handle it so differently. Um, I don't know if all shadow workers have to go through that big, dark thing. In, in my experience, when I've read people, there is every once in a while, and it's very rare, I will meet somebody who I know can go into those very dark shadow realms like me and that they're actually very comfortable with it. I don't necessarily think that they need to go through dark, horrid experiences through their life. I think that they may be mastered that in other incarnations or they come, they are some sort of like star seed, if you will, or an incarnate of somebody who comes from one of those more shadow realms. So in this living earthly life that they will be more comfortable with shadow automatically and be able to do shadow work for people. I don't know, were you saying like, do we eradicate shadow? or Are we trying to find balance in that? That was the question. Yeah. And I don't know if I have a specific answer for you because there are times in the work that I've done that I feel like, oh, we're not trying to eradicate shadow. We're just trying to balance it all. We're trying to get to a place where we don't judge it or cast it off or push it away. We accept. And then there becomes this blend and this balance that happens when we're not so fighting ourselves or this internal battle that we have between good and evil and uh, and dark and light. And maybe there's just this place of just accepting unconditionally and then there's just this balance that happens. And I have these moments where I think that's really what it is rather than us trying to eradicate all shadow and just fully be in this blissful light. I have been in, in even in uh, plant medicine ceremonies where I've been in these dimensions that are equally dark and light. And it's the scariest thing in the world and the most exhilarating and beautiful thing at the same time. And I remember being in that dimension during a plant medicine ceremony and being like, oh my God, what do I do? I gotta like, I gotta squeeze all this dark 
darkness out. I got to bring all the light. Like I remember having this fight with myself. Like I can't be in this space. That darkness should not be here. And I felt myself going frantic, worrying about how I was going to clean all of that ickiness out. And then I had this epiphany in this moment where I was like, oh, it's okay. I don't need to fight it. Why, why do I have such this automatic opposition like you almost instinctually go into this opposite energy with what you're experiencing and it was so almost volatile to my my vibration and once i just surrendered it and let it go and accepted i was so grounded and so centered and so easy being able to see the darkest of the dark shadow and the brightest of the light and it was all beautiful to me and it was all amazing so that's a very big question and i don't know but sometimes I feel like really we're just trying to find balance with the shadow and light. And it's it's a tricky question because I don't know how to define it or word it in a way without it making it sound like I want to accept darkness in the world because I don't. But I guess there's there's some clue in all of it about how we react to darkness and shadow and how that feeds into it or how that amplifies it that I haven't quite cracked the code of it, but there are there seems to be this continuing idea that I keep getting presented from spirit that we are meant to go more into a balance rather than an eradication of darkness. Uh, but, you know, when I get that moment of enlightenment to understand what it is, I'll be sure to share it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really hard question. You did a good job. So do you associate the dark with lower vibrational frequency or not necessarily? Because like when I go into the void, it is a place of darkness and nothingness, but it is very high vibrational. So, you know, for some people and myself included here, I think sometimes it gets a little confusing when we're talking about the dark and then we're talking about lower vibrational frequencies. Do you see them as one and the same or are there, is, is there just a lot of varying degree there? I think there's a lot of varying degree because I agree with you. There are some darker shadowy vibrations that feel really good to me and that I love. Like we've talked about the void and all of those things. And there's also a dimension between life and death that I often see. And that that's my particular dimension that I really like to reside in. And I think that's also why I tend to be stronger with earthbound spirits who are in transition rather than those who've crossed over, which I think is more your realm, uh, crossed over into the light. But yes, I do see lower vibrational energies as being darker for certain. And we talked about that on the auras. You know, I see energies of lower vibrations being definitely more shadowy and dark and muddy and all of that. And even the dimensions reflect that to me and the imageries that I see with some of those darker realms certainly take on a darkness to them. But there are some shadowy realms that are darker, but they might be uncomfortable for people. You know, I don't think that somebody who likes to be really in the high spectrums in this glistening, sparkly, rainbow, pearlescent light realms could go into one of those shadow realms and feel okay. You know, to me, the, the bringing you to Polahale, for example, would be an example of that. Like Polahale is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's got, oh, it's gorgeous. It's so much, there's so much light and beauty there, but there's a lot of shadow. It's a very stark contrast to the vibrations that are there. And for somebody who likes to really be in the light, I don't know if they're going to feel as comfortable at Polahale, but then there are people who 
like those shadow realms a little bit and they love it there, you know, like me. So what is it you love about it? About Polahale? And about the, about the lower, the darker shadows. I think it's so real and passionate and sincere and like it makes me want to cry just thinking about it because you know it's weird when i think about it i was like that's where all the pain is and where all the suffering is sometimes but there's also something so beautiful in that because it's what we learn it's what's taught us it's where the growth happens and as as much as it's not good i when i'm in that shadow realm i'm thinking of like these times that i've seen so many passing souls who are processing all of the hardships that they've had in their life, all of their shame, all of their guilt, all of their victimhood, all of the the sorrows that they've had in their life. And as they're processing that and then gaining the clarity of like being able to let it go, to forgive themselves, to forgive others and that like transformation that happens in that moment and that understanding when we get to the other side of it, of what all of those terrible things taught us, to me, there's nothing more incredibly beautiful than that exact moment. And that's why I think I really love that moment when I'm watching spirits cross over. It's because they're in that point of like letting go of all the pain and learning and taking in everything that they needed to and finding purpose in it, that it wasn't all for nothing. And there's just something so incredibly beautiful about that to me. That's so beautiful. Now I feel shallow. No, that's gorgeous. And you know, this is really interesting because, uh, you know, my grandmother who has passed, she was my person. She told me that whenever I wanted to go beyond, you know, and see, you know, the journey between here and where you go when you've passed, that she would take me there. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. And I grabbed her hand and I was expecting to go right into higher vibrational frequencies. Because when, like you said, when I tap into people that have passed, that's usually where I go. And we started to go into that darker space, which I guess I didn't even have a full awareness that lived there. And I was like, oh, hell no. You know, and I turned around and came running back home, um, you know, and and there will be a day when I'm ready for this and ready to be a little bit bolder. But and I don't know if maybe I've done a lot of dark work in a past life. And the purpose of this work, this life is to be in the higher frequencies and to work with that. Who who really knows? But um, yeah, it's interesting, though, because it's it's almost like pull a holly thing that I have experience that astral traveling with my grandmother out into other dimensions. So yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's comfortable for everybody. I just, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel okay and comfortable with it. Like, yes, of course, if there was an earthbound spirit sitting in the space, you know, lashing out emotionally, it's uncomfortable for me. I don't like being in it, you know, either, but I have a level of comfort with being with it that I can be calm and grounded in that and not just want to react and push it off and yell at it and run away from it. Whereas I think some people who would, you know, some people who want to just remain really up in those like light spectrums, they don't want to have to deal with it. And so it's not like I just am like that. It took like years of grueling suffering (laughs) and work on my own part. But I've come to a point now where I've realized, wow, I can really be with these people. And I'm talking about like the worst. And when I say people, I mean souls in the worst type, like the, the worst type of people like that did really bad things. And I can be with them and not judge it and have compassion and hold space for them and like be able to lovingly move them because that's what they need is to know that they 
they're accepted and they're worthy and that they're forgiven and they don't have to keep torturing themselves. Because a lot of times I see those people in the dark dimensions, they're torturing themselves. They're not being tortured. They do it to themselves. And then that liberation point that happens. And to me from that like depth of suffering going into the light is, is so beautiful. You know, there's a lot of things, and we've mentioned this before, posted on social media about how it's it's bullshit to just automatically want to shift everything into a higher dimension, shift anything to a higher place. And, you know, and, and I, I agree with you that there are moments that we have to go into the dark and we have to face our shadows and that's part of the work. But I am one of those people that want to bask in those super high dimensions. And it's the same thing with why I don't do plant medicine. Like even you, and I know that you have a lot of respect for it, but you have had some situations and some experiences that were pretty heavy. I'm like, no, thank you. If you can guarantee it's going to be all blissful and amazing and lovely and high dimensional, then maybe. But yeah, there's part of me that's not willing to do that or go there. So you are the definition of a light keeper that is also a shadow worker. Yeah, you definitely have to be willing to look at some hard truths to do plant medicine. And I think beyond plant medicine, just in your own self-work, however that may be, um, if your intention isn't to be willing to see the truth, no matter how uncomfortable or ugly that may be, uh, I don't know how far you're going to go in your healing <laughs> process. Uh, if you think that you're perfect and everything's good and you just want to throw some more sparkles on top of it, uh, that, that'll get you somewhere, but I don't think it'll really get you far. You know, I think there's some aspect of shadow work that needs to happen for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about some other types of light workers. You know, so Patty and I had a very interesting experience just recently uh, with a shared client. Now, we've talked about this before. A lot of the people I read also go to Patty. But what's interesting about this particular situation that just happened was this person had somehow miraculously was able to book a session with me and then get Patty the next day, which I don't even know how she was able to pull that off because both Patty and my schedule were so far out and advanced, like the chances of her being able to do that were very slim. But anyways, I read this woman and I've read her a few times and she's always been to me a light worker, always been this amazing light. But this was my third session with her over the course of a couple of years. And I got blasted into some galactic voyage where I was telling this woman just some wild stuff about who she is and where she came from. And a lot of this ET stuff was coming in. And um, right out the gate, I was like, you're a Lyran starseed. You're one of the feline beings. You come from this dimension. And I was telling her all this stuff. And then I had this full on memory of her being on a council and me being there. And I was describing this moment in the council with her. And I mean, there was all this other amazing stuff that happened. And yes, I do have a lot of galactic readings. Don't get me wrong. They're more rare, but fairly common. But every once in a while, I'll get this one that I feel absolutely floored. Like I can't even sit up. Like I just want to lay back and just be in this energy. And, uh, and it's wonderful. And then we get out of the reading and I think, oh my gosh, this is incredible. If I could do readings like this all the time, I would do this, you know, 24 seven. 
And then a few hours wean away and I start kind of dropping back into the 3D and then I start like doing what every normal human being would do. Did that really happen? Like, whoa, like where did that come from? Like you just start kind of sobering up into the everyday and you question and I did I questioned whether or not I actually saw that stuff and then I almost started feeling bad like I hope I didn't like just tell this woman all this wild stuff and you know what is she going to do with that information like you know I started going through that whole process and I'm sure some of you who do readings will understand what I'm talking about like I, I do that and then the next day Patty text messages me and she's like, I just read this woman and I told her that she was a Lyran and that she was on a council and la da 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 da. And she said that you said the same thing. And I was thinking the only person that I can think of that I possibly said that to was the woman I read yesterday. And uh, sure enough, she gave me the name and I was like, I read her yesterday. <laughs> so Patty, like, what's your side of the story? I love this. So, so let me just say that Jude and I are very busy. Like I've read, I think I've read like 1900 different people. So we don't remember everybody that we read. We don't tell everybody, you know, I mean, we don't tell each other, Hey, I'm reading so-and-so are you, what did you get? We don't have time for that. And it's actually not even, you know, if we have a reading that's pretty spectacular, I'll be like, Oh, holy shit. You won't believe this thing happened, but we don't discuss readings pretty regularly. So I had read this woman as well. She's just a lovely, lovely woman. And my previous reading with her had been normal. I'll say normal, not boring, but you know, no big deal. Well, this reading this time with her was super galactic. And I actually kept saying, wow, this is a really galactic reading because this is more of Jude's kind of thing than mine. And I certainly have these readings, but not as common and I'm not as comfortable with them. Like, I don't know the names of all the different alien races like Jude does and everything. So, and, and she was funny because she said, you're sitting on a galactic council and I have been on there as well, but I have been on like a sub council where I've been doing something different. I haven't been sitting with you, but you have been on this and this is what you're doing. And she said, Oh, I had a reading with Jude. And she's told me that as well. Well, a lot of times people have had readings with Jude, but it could have been two years ago, you know, or a year ago. She didn't say it was the day before. And so I, you know, we're going on and I'm like, Oh, you're a hybrid. You know, you've come down in a ship to help, to help us several times. And you're a hybrid of two different types of races. And I said, I can't quite get it. One is Pleiadian or no, it was Octurian. One's Octurian. I can't quite get the other one. And I was just kind of fumbling. And then, then a past life came through and I'm like, oh, there's a past life in Egypt. And I'm like, oh my God, there's cat goddesses everywhere. And I said, oh, the other, the other one is, is Lyran. And she's like, um, so like the cat people. And I'm like, yeah, she played it like really cool. She never said Jude told me that too, you know, and I was just kind of blown away. And then, and then you also told me that you saw an Egyptian um, life with her. So it was trippy because it was ships coming down and then, you know, her partner is a scientist and, and she's like, it's, you know, is he a starseed too? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you came down in a ship. And he was one of the first beings that like you brought medical information and scientific information to him. And he opened that up and introduced that to the planet through you. And it was just far out. So when I, when I messaged it to June and she's like, no way, you know, it was so fun. You know, and I love this because you guys are probably listening to this and probably a lot of you have had readings with us and you're probably like, wait a minute, like you didn't tell me any kind of stuff like that. And you know, <laughs> this is some real far out stuff. When I say it's far out, it's far out. Like I, like I said, I came down off that reading and was like, what just happened? I just told this, yes. And I got 
uh, almost immediately I was like, you're a Lyran, you're a cat feline being and, um, and Egypt. And I was talking about that. And I also said, you're not just this race, you're many other races, but I didn't define exactly. But so for you to say that oh, she was see, a hybrid, part. yeah, I do remember saying you're more than one, but right now you stick out as Lyran and, uh, the whole council thing, which was so vivid and yeah, all these ETs. And I'm saying all this wild stuff about who she is and why she moves through these different lifetimes and what the purpose of it is. And then you come down off that and you're just like, okay, now how does this woman relate all of this? Cause a lot of the times our readings are like practical, like, you know, how do you step into your power? How do you open up your gifts? How do you, you know, work on this relationship with somebody? And if I didn't have Patty, I got to tell you, because that next day, and it was so interesting because that night I was sort of so rattled from that reading, like where I was like, I need something more. I need something more tangible to take all of this in. Like that was great that I had that in the reading, but it's very hard to crash down off of that. And so the next day when I pretty much woke up and Patty had sent me that message, um, it was such a validation and it puts me back into this place. Like, no, this is really happening. That is legitimately what is happening and in a way if i were to break down the whole landscape of how i see light workers it's so far out and so incredible and almost in a way unbelievable that this could be happening behind the scenes of what we're experiencing here in the 3d everyday life but it is and i've gotten validation over and over and over again in an example with this situation with Patty and us reading the same person and getting the exact same information. Like Patty, I'm sure you thought like, this is really crazy stuff, right? Like even for you, right? Oh yeah. I was like, this is like a Jude reading, you know? And, and for me, I was kind of blown away as I was getting the information. Cause I was learning all of this as well. And you know, when, if I'm reading somebody and they're like, Oh, I, I had a reading with Jude. I'm usually like, damn it. You know, because I'm like, ah, oh, like, what if I see something totally different or what if we give her opposing information? And, you know, most of the time people like Jude said the same thing, or I, or, or I'm sure sometimes our readings are totally different from one another. So I love that you loved getting the validation because this is something that you kind of regularly deal with is that galactic energy for me, having the validation was huge because I was driving home like, what the hell, you know, what was this? Well, I think for me with her, it's like, I've already read her a couple times for mm -hmm. so for Same. it to take this big twist all of a sudden and and she's always been light without a doubt but that was just like levels up from the last time that I read her and I think it had been a solid year since I read her the last time um but with yes this does come up with certain people but it's usually like the first time I read them and then I know every time I read them afterwards but let that be like a little bit of a lesson here too for some people I've also seen that I've read people over the course of many years and the readings can start out very down to earth very mm -hmm. kind of regular every day and then the more work you do on yourself I'm able to kind of check in and then over the course of a few readings or a few years I've seen people really embody their higher divine self and these big expressive multi-dimensional information starts coming through and and different types of beings and information and the thing is is what i've learned is i am limited to the portals that you open for me like i i know a lot of people want those big you know very magical readings but until you have sort of done the work and peeled back the layers in yourself and that energy has actually 
integrated within you. I don't, I can't have access to it. I can try, I can get little imprints. Patty had said something interesting to me the other day about how she was trying to read something on somebody and she saw this curtain and she kept trying to move the curtain and the curtain would be there. I see the same thing because sometimes people will be like, I want to know more about my star seed energy and this and that. And I can get this like little imprint of it, but it's behind too many curtains until you've actually worked or opened that up a little bit more for yourself, or maybe it's not timed, or maybe we're, it's, it would be too premature for me to tell you too much right now. Uh, you, you have to get a little bit more, you know, grounded in your human self. I'm not, I don't know why some certain information is held back, but yeah, sometimes the readings can be so open, so galactic, so out there. And then sometimes they can be just regular and, and neither is better or worse. It just, it's just the way that it is. I agree. And and it is trippy that this woman, like you said, I had read her before too. And it was kind of just a simple, like the fact that not only that we validated what each other saw, but that we both, the type of reading that we gave her shifted tremendously for both of us too, which was out there. And I totally agree with you about how sometimes I, you know, I'm not supposed to see something. You're not supposed to see something. There's a divine timing piece. In addition to the work that you've done for yourself, things have to be in alignment. And I think we hear what we're supposed to hear when we're supposed to hear it. And, you know, I, I've told a few people lately, like the light workers are being called to the front lines. I feel like there, you know, there have been light workers throughout history, but I feel like there are a lot right now. And a lot of us are recognizing that within ourselves and recognizing that we need to love and respect that. And there's a little bit of a responsibility there with that as well. And then responsibility to ourselves and that we chose to come in here and do this type of work. And it's kind of like, until we find a way to work with that energy, we may not feel totally satisfied or so totally whole or totally complete. And so sometimes recognizing that in ourselves and nurturing it and asking how do I move forward with this? What does, what does this mean? Are there any messages here for me personally? And doing that work helps us feel more imbalanced with ourselves so that we can go out and do the work for other people. Now, um, one other thing I want to talk about. So I did a little bit of a meditation before this episode on what needs to be passed on. And I've gotten this in the past for empaths. And they said that this needs to be brought to the attention of you light workers as well is that we have to really take care of ourselves, that this is not a time for martyrdom. We have to have boundaries. We have to make sure that we um, are not giving too much of ourselves and depleting ourselves because we need to keep our lanterns high. You know, we need to keep our inner flame burning because we are holding that light for many, many people. And we're helping assist others, people in finding their own inner light and and recognizing their own abilities to grow and expand and, and do this type of work. So if we are in a place where we are giving, 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 burning ourselves out, we are dimming our lantern. And, you know, we talked about this in the aura that when we are not feeling well, or when we're, you know, in a bad, in a bad place, you know, feeling kind of bitchy and negative, how our aura will shrink. And it kind of, it comes tighter when in fact, what we need to do is keep that um, nice and big for our own protection. It's very similar in that if we're giving, giving, giving to others, and we are not prioritizing our own health and happiness and balance, our light will go out and go dim, not out. Our light will dim similarly as our aura dims or shrinks. And it's difficult because we are light workers and we are compassionate, caring beings that we want to help other people and be of assistance. But we have to keep our vibration nice and bright and our lights bright so that we can be the light in the dark for other people. So it's important that you light workers 
don't recognize it about yourself and then just go hog wild and just give, 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 give until you fully deplete yourself. It's really important that you pay attention to your own balance and make sure that you are prioritizing your health, your own self-care because self-care is really important for those of you that are doing light keeping for other people. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, there is this almost hypnotic mentality that people have adhered to that says, well, if I sacrifice myself, that that makes me a better person. And I don't think that yeah. they're consciously thinking that, but they think like, well, I continuously choose to stay in this toxic relationship where this person is disrespecting me and abusing me because I feel like it makes me a better person uh, because I'm showing compassion and forgiveness and this and that, but you're suffering through it. And I can't wrap my head around that sometimes when I see people, I respect people's choice that that that's what they want to do. But it's almost like this, uh, cosmic conundrum or something to me like that people would choose that like in and then label that as them being I don't know more righteous or more better or more aligned with the light and I just don't agree with that I think that it's this thing where we there's this hypnotic thing that I see that people are in where they believe that they need to suffer in order to prove their worth and I just don't think that that's the truth. And I think that's part of the big grand enlightenment is that we can just simply choose to stop agreeing that we need to suffer in order to be worthy. That's my my feeling. I haven't quite worked out all the details of how that works yet, but I'm getting closer to this higher truth. But I know that is certainly a piece of the puzzle. Stop yeah, agreeing that you need to suffer in order to prove your worth. You don't. Yep. Good point. Um, one of the things I'd like to talk about with lightworkers is, or I talked about this on the Auras episode where I recognize souls from different realms or dimensions. And if I were to try to loosely describe how lightworkers are operating here on planet Earth, it would be that imagine that there's many different groups of beings, be it from different planets, realms, dimensions. All these different groups have their own sort of community society culture like there are certain ones from certain planets or certain dimensions and they all have a certain order within them and they all have a specific gift and they are running at a much higher frequency they're very enlightened and tapped into their gifts and then there was a conscious choice for them to move from that plane and come here to earth to bridge that wisdom that light those frequencies through this incarnation, whether they embody that from the time they're born or they wake up to it later in life and they suddenly remember, oh yeah, I came here to be a light worker and I'm going to do all this healing. And all of a sudden they become very psychic and intuitive and all of that. But when I read these people, what I'm seeing is that connection or that portal that they have. I sort of see these movies being played out of all of the preparation that went in to why it is that they even incarnated and what specifically they're bringing from their or place of origin into this reality and um, how they are being supported still by those who are still in the realm dimension or planet that they originated from. And so all of this is happening behind the scenes. And I see this time and time again, to the point where you could not convince me that this is not happening. Um, a lot of the light workers are here on a literal mission. 
They are not in it alone. Even if they seem like they're in it alone, they have so much assistance happening behind the scenes, uh, you know, whether that be their particular spirit guide or these other advanced beings that are working in these other dimensional planes. And there's a lot of information being exchanged between those that are here and those that are beyond and trying to help us from the outside. You know, it's like somebody had to come in here and be on site and see what's going on and experience the progress of what's happening and shifting with humanity. And a lot of that information is being brought back to these other higher dimensional beings and advanced beings in other places. And they're utilizing that information to um, see the progress of the intention that was set for many generations here on earth, like that they have been working on this for eons. This is not just suddenly in the last 30 years, they decided earth is screwed and we need to fix it now. It's been something <laughs> that has been in progress since the beginning of time. They knew before the planet had even become what we know it to be that we eventually would evolve as a species or as a planet to something higher. And, it, and I've seen them sort of keeping tabs on this. And a lot of the light workers especially the ones who've lived a lot of earth lives have been part of that plan since their very first incarnation. And a lot of the incarnations that I see them going through are with the primary purpose of learning and growing and refining and mastering to get to this life now, this current life now, to have all of their gifts and to be masterful as a human being and a spiritual, spiritually enlightened being to uh, carry humanity into the next level of what we're supposed to be collectively. So Patty, do you see something similarly or no? <laughs> no, I'm shaking my head. No, but yes, a hundred percent. I was like, why are you? <laughs> I'm just no. messing with I you. I just sounded so crazy then. <laughs> oh no, no, you <laughs> no, 100, 100%. And I have read um, quite a few people lately that are actually, not only are they have they collected information and, are, and have support in other um, dimensional spaces, but they're living simultaneous lives. I've had several beings that humans that have a, are here in a human body, but they also at the same time are in another body where they're taking the information back and forth, back and forth. And they're kind of um, sharing that information and sharing different frequencies. So not only, you know, yes, they they can have what you're talking about, but there also can be the simultaneous thing that I'm seeing that happens quite a bit. And this also is what I feel is happening in that council. And we'll talk about that a little bit more that we um, each saw in that lovely woman's readings. Um, I have for at least a year known that I I go at night and I sit on a board or on a council and I'm at a huge table with many beings. Some are humans, many are not humans. And I'll like wake up to pee and I'll be like, damn it, why can't I remember any of this? And it's a lot of work with a lot of really in-depth conversation about serious things. And I've, I've meditated on it and I've been told that there are beings from many other dimensions and beings that have had human lives that are taking that information and that wisdom into these councils to find a way to save humanity and to help us shift into higher dimensions that we're all working together. Now, I, I have been on subcommittees because I've known I'm like, oh, I'm with a new group of people and there's only four or five of us this time. And that's all I can really grab. Although, and this is off topic, there's one being that I remembered what they look like, June. I've been meaning to ask you about that. I would describe them as kind of like an octopus person. They have kind of an octopus looking head and there's a lot of texture to their skin. And then many, many arms that kind of flow kind of octopus-like 
Have you ever seen anything like that? Are you aware of that? No, but I have seen aquatic looking ETs, so I wouldn't doubt. And then I've always thought that octopuses are not from this world, like on earth, Ah. you know, they're so intelligent. Like I, I totally get that. I can't just, just under, I don't understand why I know that about octopuses, but I know that they're not from this world. Like they're from somewhere else. And, uh, and I have seen other ETs that have characteristics of things that you would see in the ocean. So I think that's definitely a possibility. Very yeah, cool. I have one, yeah. I have one, cl- one client that had a, um, a really amazing, uh, meditation or astral travel where she met a guide that looked like an octopus, but it was an ET and they kind of, she said it was like a, a, a combination. They moved through space, kind of a combination of between like a jellyfish and an octopus. And I'm like, wait, what me too. But anyway, okay. So back on topic. So there are multiple things going on, multiple beings that are all working together to help us in this move. And so many of you light workers may realize, or you might even have lucid dreams that you're working in your dream state or that you're having these rapid awakenings or these things coming up and you're starting to recognize this about yourself. Also, as we become light workers, we tend to become more intuitive, more psychic, because those are gifts and abilities that as we get to know ourselves better and open up to, we tend to embrace those and are, are able to utilize our other gifts beyond our human, you know, more telepathic, more clairvoyant, all of those things. So if you feel that you're a light worker, this is something that you may want to meditate on. You may want to ask about, you may want to tap into. And, you know, I, I read it, uh, an amazing person the other day that was such a light worker. And I said, but you know, you're not supposed to do this for your career. She's like, oh, hell no, it's not my career choice. So again, it's not, if you, once you realize that it doesn't mean, oh, now I have to quit my job and do this. You may be called to do it and it may be fully in alignment with who you are and what your purpose is. And again, maybe not, maybe you are bringing that light in a fully different manner in a fully different way. Yeah. Speaking back on the souls that are sort of a liaison between us and them and doing a lot of back and forth work. I actually had somebody in here the other day who was also one of those very high flooring type readings. And I clearly saw her. And that's the other thing too, is when somebody's energy is really strong like that and really open, the level of clarity that I see these things is undeniable. Um, And I saw this woman as often going back out from her astral when she's sleeping and leaving with, and I described the being, I could see the being that was coming and retrieving her. Like they would come down and pull her from her astral and bring her back. And then I saw the entire exchange and how it happened. And it was like this telepathic dump of information that she would give them because her as an empath and intuitive is collecting a ton of information, not even necessarily consciously, just like of the state of the world. What is the, the, what are the vibrational fluctuations that are happening and what are the energies she's picking up from people and how is that shifting? And then I'm seeing her going back and doing that. And she had conscious awareness. She's like, I have actually seen that being come and grab me. And I've had a sense like you of going back and having these meetings and giving them these telepathic downloads of information which I think is so rad. And I think it's so cool that you also remember that because I don't remember that. I, in my entire history of reading people, I have seen other clients on councils less than 10 where I've been like, oh, you're part of a council on the other side. I mean, it's very, very rare that I see it. Same, same. But, and it's clear as day and, but I don't remember, or I don't 
get a lot of information outside of like you're on some sort of council on the other side, except for that last woman that we both read, where I actually remembered being on the council with her. And I had this full vivid memory of sitting across from her and having this incredibly intense and very serious discussion. It was not light and rainbows. Mm -hmm. It wasn't all galactic high vibes. It was us having a very real discussion about serious stuff. And we were not in agreement, but we needed to humble ourselves to listen to everybody else's point of view. And then somehow amongst all of us come to some harmonious agreement that we all agreed that that was what needed to happen. And I did definitely get a sense it had a lot to do with to get all of humanity uh, leveled up, to have them progress in, a, in an efficient timeline or something along that line. And that is the only time I legitimately had a memory of an event unfolding on the council for me. And there might've been maybe one other time that I remember seeing one of my clients on a council and I said, I feel like I was there, but I couldn't remember the atmosphere or what it was like. But I thought that was interesting when I saw that with that woman, because I guess I didn't realize how heavy the, the atmosphere would be. And that's what was a little shocking to me. And so Patty, you, and I shared that with you and you were like, oh yeah, that's totally the vibe. Yeah. It, it's, an, it is intense and heavy. And, and a lot of times I'll wake up from it and I'll be like, no more, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm exhausted. It's too, it's too much. So it's not like a big old party and like, oh, cool. There's an octopus person. It's, um, it's an intense, but I have, and I've been asking to remember more and more information about it. And I still just it's more like I have an awareness of it, but no details. However, I did get that we are nearing a final vote. So kind of like what you said, how there there are some opposing ideas or opinions on things. However, it's almost like we're getting to a place where the final vote is coming into play. So they're almost like, don't worry, you don't have to be on the council that much longer because it's exhausting. And, and I have nights where I do stuff like that all night long. And I'm like, damn it, I do spiritual work all day long. Can I just be a human and sleep, you know, during the thing? So um, yeah, it's intense. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, we're talking about multidimensional beings being of assistance. There's a lot of past life recall and people that have had past lives that have that wisdom or have had experiences that are here to assist this. And most of the people that I've talked to about this are fully aware of this as well. What I've been told as I'm reading these people is that there have been many times throughout history where this has been attempted where we have had an opportunity to do the right thing, to shift into a higher dimension as a human race. You know, we can look back in Egyptian times and, and back in the Mayans and in, in biblical times, you know, there's so many, many during wars, there's so many times when we had options to shift. And I've had several clients that have had multiple lives during these potent times. And it's almost like they're either coming in to see it really shift and happen, or they're here to be like, damn it, let's make it happen this time. Like there's a lot of really strong reasons why they are here right now and what they are bringing to the world. So even though I have not necessarily seen them on a council, there is a reason that they're here. I read one woman the other day that was um, just 
she was one of those light workers that kind of blew, that kind of blows your mind. You know, we've talked about sometimes we get a little nauseous or a little dizzy reading people because the energy is, is so high. And she's actually a, a Presbyterian pastor and she is here to expand Christianity into a place of love and being much more accepting. And right away, a past life showed up with her as a biblical past life where she was a child. She was a young boy and she was witnessing Jesus coming through and helping people, you know, and I was getting that the biggest impact was not on what he was saying or what the adults were talking about, because it's almost like, you know, she was young. So it was like, wah, wah, wah. Like she wasn't picking up on the words, but she was a child that was able to read energy and frequencies. And she said she would see how the frequencies would change and healings and how people would move into a state of love when they would gather together and all this. And it was beautiful and amazing. And then, you know, there was the the crucifixion. And it didn't, again, it didn't happen that she witnessed a chance or an opportunity for this expansion within the human race to happen. And it, it was another failure or it didn't happen again. And so it, it was fascinating reading her and knowing that this is another thing that I've seen happen over and over again. And, you know, and, and I told her, I said, well, when you're on the pulpit, I said, you are running this high angelic vibrational energy. It's like you're a tube of light that's radiating down into the planet and blasting through. And she's like, oh, that's what I do. It's it, She's like, I feel that. I can feel when it happens, like the energy changes within my body. I feel a different frequency. And, and so not only is she a light worker, but she is literally standing in front of a group of people and opening up that portal or that connection with that higher healing light and bringing that in out into the world. In addition to being in a place where she wanted to take Christianity from where it was in what she witnessed into where it is now, but in a new way and bringing the message of, of love with Christ consciousness, rather than some of the, some of the fear or some of the other things that sometimes get associated with Christianity. And Jude, I shared with you, you know, I'm like, well, let's look at your guides. Cause I'm like, man, what are her guides going to look like? And she had no spirit guides. And it's not like I, I looked and looked and couldn't find them because there have been times when I'm like, I can't find your guide or your guide doesn't want to speak to me or something. Like I went to look and I was told she has no spirit guides. And, you know, and I said, you have no spirit guides because you have direct access to such higher dimensions that you aren't really in need of a liaison. And I think a lot of times spirit guides work as a liaison with us between the, the third dimensional realities and some of the other higher dimensions. And she totally got it. She's like, oh yeah, I, I pretty much know that. I just was curious, you know, if you were going to see anything, cause I've been told that before. And I pretty sure that I might've said on the guides podcast episode, everybody has a spirit guide. And so I'm eating my words because as we know, with spirituality, nothing is written in stone. Things change all the time. It's limitless. So I just wanted to share that experience with her. Yeah. I remember you telling me that. And I was like, huh? Like just, I've never now for me, when I read people, I don't always see a spirit guide. That's more your thing than my thing. Like I could read somebody from beginning to end and not actually see any definitive guide show up and tell me something. And then sometimes it's like the second I'm looking at somebody, the guide is right there and in my face in full color. Yeah. And they're just giving me all the information. And I, I prefer it that way, really. But, um, you know, I, it's not like, I just assume that their guides are there. And I know those that are giving me the information are my guide system and their guide system. I don't necessarily need to see an embodiment of the guide to show up to know that they're there. So this idea that perhaps maybe some people are so advanced that they don't need that help. I could see that being a possibility. But what's interesting is I think shortly after you did that reading, I, I had somebody and I said 
and I said it exactly how I felt it. I said, oh, wow, you're really showing yourself to me. Like you're saying, I'm the one steering the ship. Like I'm here, wow. like I'm the one doing it. I'm going to answer all your questions. I'm going to be the one to tell you everything that you need to know about me right now, where a lot of times it'll be a guide that comes in and helps to relay the information. And I said that to this woman and she was like, oh yeah, I know. I don't even have a guide. And oh I gosh. was like, and this was right after, I think it was like the week after you had told me that. And I was thinking, is that, is this the woman that Patty had told me? And it wasn't because she wasn't a pastor and she wasn't any of those things. And sure enough, I went through her whole reading and no guide showed up, but you know, I don't know. I just thought that was so interesting because it, it was so curious to me that her energy was really making a point to me from the second I started the reading that I am the one steering the ship and I am the one that's going to tell you the information. And it was like her higher self. It was not any type of guide or anybody else outside of her. And she was a very advanced being. And, and there are times that I've read people for certain where the guides stand a little bit further back. Like mm -hmm. they're just yeah. keeping a watchful eye, but they don't meddle too much not because right. they don't have a connection or the, that the person's not listening to their guide. It's more because this person is so advanced and they're doing so well on their own that I'm just here as like backup, but really they're doing such a wonderful job that I don't really have to interject too much. So yeah, is there some progression where eventually we incarnate in a life where a guide is not necessary? Perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea, but yeah. I don't want anybody to be freaking out like, oh, my God, I don't have a guide. I need somebody. I can't be out here all alone. <laughs> yeah, I when I, <laughs> yeah, when I call my guide in, if he doesn't show up, I have a full on like mini anxiety attack. Like, no, where do I need you? Um, yeah. And that's such a trip that you had that same because I know when I told you, you're like, eh. you know, I'm like, she doesn't right. fully believe me. She thinks I just can't see the guy. But <laughs> I did not hear that the woman I read did not have a guide. She said, no. I'm pretty sure I don't have a guide. Oh, interesting. Um, but it went in alignment with, I was like, and I even said to her, I said, it's before she'd even disclosed that. I said, it's really weird because you're making a big point that I'm the one that's going to tell you everything. Like, there's no guide here to tell me anything. Like, you want to be in control of this experience right now. She was like yeah. laughing. <laughs> She's like, sounds like that. me. I love it. That, that is, I, it's the same way with guys. Like sometimes I, I have people say their name and I'll be like, no, just say your name. And then I usually tell them something, a few things about them before we go into the details, but before they even say their name, like a guide will be showing up and practically yelling in my face. I'm like, you know, and I feel kind of lightheaded and I'm like, whoa, give me a second, you know? And then other times it, there's a lovely guy, but it's back like quite a ways. Like it's just hanging out for support if needed. You right, know? right. But yeah, I feel like you really helped open that up for me because I think my readings for like the first couple of years, I would never see any type of guides. And I was always so intrigued where you felt like you were always in some sort of council almost you and your council energy, right? You would tell me like, no, it's like, we're all having a meeting and we're all there and they're there. I see them all. And I was like, that's so rad. And then I remember the first couple of times it happened. I was like, oh, this is like what Patty sees. And now it's quite regular. Now it's like, honestly, in the last year, actually, it's gotten to a point where I was like, okay, I guess this is just the new way it happens. Like now, now I'm almost expecting the guy to show up right away. Uh, if it doesn't happen, it's weird, you know? Yeah. And so, so it's really shifted. Yeah. And mine is shifting more like yours where, 
you know, I, I've seen some pretty dark things and then I'm having these super galactic where I'm like, wait a minute. Like I drive home and I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, and yeah. I'm like, this is a Jew thing. I feel like we're starting to kind of shift or open things up for one another. Um, like we used to be so far apart and I feel yeah. like as time comes together, we're coming closer and closer to one another. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're experiencing the galactic ones because those ones are so out there and it's oh so, gosh. you can't even really relate it to what's even happening here on earth. And and then it's, and then you're trying to relay this information. And I got to tell you, anybody I've ever given that to gets it. They're ready for it. They're, they're like not questioning it. They're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a lovely man that I've become friends with that I read and he and I, I did a reading for him and it was, it was like so out there that I would be not embarrassed, but hesitant to say it. And we both were like, whoa, whoa. Like we both kept throwing back in the back of our chair going, whoa, because it made so much sense to him. And then he was validating it for me. And it was like, it was nuts. And I'm like, this is what Jude's are like very often. It was an experience like I've ever had before, just way out there. Yeah. I think that the, some of the most um, interesting light workers that I read are the ones who channel either light language or light writing or sh like the geometry and stuff like those. Yeah. Anytime I've read any of those people who get a lot of those glyphs and images or sounds, whew, reading those people is like another level because they're just such an open channel and they're, they're bringing in such cosmic, like, I don't even know what it is like there it's encoded frequencies with their sounds yeah. and the language and the writing and anytime I've read anybody like that it's just been like an out of body experience. Yeah, you've taught me about that um speaking about your own experiences about seeing glyphs, hieroglyphs and things and and I had a client that shared she actually drew a few things for me and um it was it was an energy that I haven't experienced very often that was um pretty amazing. Yeah, it's hard to define in the human mm -hmm. language there's it's like it can we even define it can i look at that glyph and say oh this says this i don't even know it's a it's a just simply a vibration it's a frequency yeah. that's being brought in it's doing something it's certainly very high and uh yeah it's definitely a thing <laughs> yeah she she shared it with me and i knew that it wasn't something i was supposed to read or or say oh this means this it, it yeah it it had a a meaning far beyond what could be put into words. Right. Yeah. yeah. But isn't that interesting that there's so many people like I've never even heard of such a thing. And I've probably read a good handful, not a lot, but you know, less than a dozen people who do that. Like, and I'm not, I don't think that they're all talking to each other and saying, Hey, we can all do this. It's like, <laughs> they've just woken up to it. They just started drawing these images and doing this, and it's happening all over the planet. And these people are all unrelated to each other. And maybe they think they're the only person doing it. But there's also kind of a similarity a little bit in the drawings that they're doing. Like they're not that far off from each other as far as like the shapes and the it's it, there's something kind of similar. But yeah, it's like this little, it's not even a secret society because I really don't think that they all know of each other. They're just doing it uh, from their own drive, their own call to create these things. And it's very fascinating. But yeah, that's those are some other type of light workers for sure. Yeah. I want to share one other um, light worker that I read recently. She is a woman that's living simultaneous lives. One is an ET and one is a human life. And um, like she's 
she's bringing the energy back and forth, which is a little much. It's hard for her to recalibrate going from one space to the other. So I was a little out of it most of the reading, just trying to maintain my own space. But she is here as a liaison to bring some new technologies to the planet. So as a light worker, her purpose is to connect scientists or people that can help bring this technology into reality to help the human race and help the planet earth. So I just want to share that because light workers can do work in many, many different ways. And we've been talking primarily about being heart centered and bringing in that love and that higher vibrational frequency and assisting others and being, you know, keeping the light on, but it also can be as a liaison to bring things in. It can be more associated with technology or shifting things in this third dimensional reality, which assists us to move. So it can manifest in many, many different ways. You know, for me, when I'm reading different light workers, as I said, I will often be able to see a soul and where they originate from. And over the course of these years of doing readings and however many countless people that I've read, the first time I see somebody from a certain dimension, realm or planet, it's interesting to me. Oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like this is really from somewhere else. And I do my best to interpret that information. And then maybe a year later, I'll get somebody else. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I've seen something like this before. And then I'll get like another little piece of the puzzle. And then a year later, it'll be somebody else. And throughout the course, maybe one person a year. And then there's these other groups, maybe two times a year. And then there's these other groups that I get them all the time. Like there's some groups that are working on these sort of galactic teams that there are a lot of people here on the planet from specific groups. One of the ones that just recently, and I'll speak to it only because I've seen it recently, is um, there's this one realm and I've seen it only a very small handful of times, but if I were to describe it, I would say it's the realm of the divine feminine. Meaning like if you can imagine every aspect of what it is to be the divine feminine embodied, this dimension embodies that um it would be the dimension that every deity or every goddess that we know here on earth that's been part of any culture throughout our history originated from this dimension of the divine feminine and within that dimension i see that there's these other souls that are sort of like priestesses or the way that they operate within that dimension are priestesses that are um, honoring or loving or trying to master embodying this divine feminine. And then those souls incarnate here on earth into these bodies. And anyone that I've read from that dimension, they tend to have certain characteristics. Like they are, first of all, they're very beautiful and not beautiful by our human standards. I mean, there is a beauty, physical beauty about them. There's an energetic beauty. They are awoken priestesses. They know they are doing priestess type work. They are doing healings. And a lot of the healings that they do are not modalities that they've learned or got certified in. There's something that's being channeled through to them. And they tend to be a little more fixated on working with women, women's work, womb work, you know, birthing, anything. They love to get women together specifically, or they love working with just women. And I have seen, because I've read enough of them at this point, like I said, I get this little piece of puzzle and it's not necessarily that they only incarnate as women, because I have seen that they will incarnate as a man, not necessarily as a effeminate man, but a man that is going to be more empathic and sensitive and tender and loving, nurturing. And they're, they kind of incarnate 
as these divine feminine forces in a masculine body to bring balance to the toxic masculinity that has overtaken this entire planet. So they're here to sort of help balance by incarnating as a man and to um, heal maybe generational toxic masculinity traits and things. I've not actually read a man that I think comes from this dimension. I only know that because of reading them, I saw their past lives where they embodied these male lives and the reason why they embodied those male lives was to do this healing with the divine feminine through the masculine vessel. And anyways, I've seen that particular dimension and it's so beautiful and, uh, so that's one type of light worker. Have you ever seen something that would be similar to that, Patty? Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up because I have, and it's been probably within the last six months or so. And I was explaining to this woman, I said, you come from a lineage of the divine feminine, but a lineage beyond this wow. dimension. And I told her, I said, like, when I look back in your guide system, it's like, Isis. And, you know, like I just started naming all these. And I said, and of course, you know, we have goddesses that show up for people, but I said, they're all there. And I was calling her a priestess. And, and it was, I said, you are just the, the embodiment of the divine feminine. You're here to work with women, to embrace the divine feminine, to bring that in. And then I have read one man who was one of the most lovely men I've ever read that had so much feminine energy and he was not infeminate at all. You know, it had nothing to do with that, but he was the most of all the men I've read. He's the one that had the most feminine energy, but it was this love and this respect and that divine, it had, there was nothing weird about it. And he was great. Like he could accept that, you know, when I explained that to him, which some men, you know, I would be careful about saying that. Um, and I feel like when you were talking about, you haven't met any of them and I said, oh, I might've met one, you know, and I think, I think that was him, but yeah, I love that you share that. Cause I've had that exact thing. And I was trying to describe it to her and you explained it so well. I'm having one of those like super validating moments right now. Cause you and I have never discussed that and I've no. seen it, you know, and it just comes to mind. Cause I, I just read this woman the other day. So it's very strong in my memory bank. But even when I read her and, and I was, I said, I've seen this enough times now where I'm kind of getting a grasp of what it is that I'm looking at. And it was through her session that I, I simply settled with, okay, this is what it is. It's a dimension mm -hmm. of the divine feminine. And, and those that incarnate here are to be like mirrored embodiments of that goddess energy like you said it could be yeah. any of them but they're here to be full expressions of that divine goddess energy here and uh yeah i think that's so awesome that you also saw the same thing yeah i love it too. i wonder if it's the same person no i know you've seen it, it, it's not I've the same person more than once. but yeah but yeah. yeah i've seen it more than once too but not often but i same I've here like maybe maybe three times total yeah same here like a very like one hand i could count that on but you know, one of the, some of the ones that I see often actually is, as far as star seeds go is um, the ones that come from the planets that the Egyptian culture came from here on earth. Like the, I'm not, I'm not even sure. I get really hung up on the names. Like I know the names, but I think they go so much more beyond the names. Like the, mm -hmm. we have like, you know, eight or so common ET races that we talk about, but I think it goes so much further than that. I see a lot of the ones that are associated with the place. It's a realm that has um, like pillars and Egyptian like structures on it. And it looks like a tropical sand landscape with like courtyards and fountains and um, like almost limestone structures and long stairways going up into these temples. And 
there's like a, actually more than one type of being that exists in that particular dimension. But I know that whatever that planet is, maybe it's bold of me to say I know, but I know that whatever we know of Egypt in our history came from that planet. Who, whoever came here and helped create that or plant that that structure of civilization there came from this particular place. And I see a lot of people from there. And I also see a lot of the, what, what I'm going to call like the Lemurian type realm, these like crystalline, mm -hmm. very, they're, they're also like temples, but they're very crystalline looking. There's a lot of blue energy in them. And I put that in the like Pleiadian Lemurian energies. I see a lot of incarnates that come to see me from that particular place, like so much that I could go into detail from both of those places and describe a lot about them. But and then there's those really rare ones that I'm like, I don't know what this is and I don't know where you're from. Uh, I just know you're here to bring some very special energy into the place. And until I've done, you know, 10,000 more readings, maybe, maybe we'll have this podcast still in 20 years and we'll be like <laughs> experts on all the things. I don't know. <laughs> Our guests will be ETs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, we're still learning too. We're still figuring it out as we 100%. go. We're just we're just giving you what we've seen so far. So, yep. So it's, it's kind of funny that we're, you know, we're doing the episode on light workers and it's super stormy at my house and I had all the lights on. And then in the middle of us talking, the power went out and it went dark and we had to like stop and restart. So that's kind of a trip that we're talking about light workers and all the lights went off. Right. I wonder what that means. Oh, you can tell your husband, Hey honey, you're a light worker. <laughs> oh yeah. He's an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he is a light worker. He can't get away from it. Okay. Well, do you have any advice for light workers or anything that you would like to end with? Um, yeah. What immediately jumps to mind is don't get discouraged of thinking that there's too many light workers in the world and too many healers. There are 8 billion people here on the planet and there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And don't get discouraged if you're going out there and getting these trainings and your practice or you want to be out there and you don't have hordes of people lining up to get work from you keep practicing keep getting your trainings if this is what your calling is because i feel that things are going to open up somewhere in our near future where the demand for people like us is going to get bigger and um and it's going to be more necessary and even if it's not something that you're meant to do on a large scale to be able to do it for your loved ones for the people around you the people that you work with and incorporate this knowledge these methods and things to people around you every little bit helps if you look at the whole scale of the world there is so much healing needed and there is not enough of us it's just that the world is not yet ready to receive what it is that we're prepping for. And I feel like that is somewhere in our future. So that's my message to lightworkers. I love that. And I would like to say self-care is important. You have to take care of yourself and do your work so that you're better able to help others. You can't just help others and ignore yourself. And also try to find a like-minded community or support wherever you can get it. And we've gotten lots of messages that we serve as that for many people. And that, um, you know, we can't tell you how much that, how much joy that brings us and how that expands our, our heart that we are able to help some of you and support you and, and share experiences with you, but manifest a special friend or that someone that can help you because Jude and I, and the way we can speak to one another and validate things is it's priceless. It's yeah, it's amazing. And I think my last thing is practice 
practice, practice. You can't compare yourself. A, another theme that I see with with light workers who are waking up to their gifts and they're wanting to embark on a path of like dedicating their service to doing, you know, energy work, healings, readings. You can't compare yourself to other people who've had a lot of practice. Like I've read people that I know would be way better at this than I am, but they just don't have the experience under their belt yet. That's the advantage that me and Patty have over a lot of you other very gifted and super talented intuitives and energy workers out there is um, we have so much data from all of our experiences to pull from like we can immediately go into a reading and and feel like oh that matches like a hundred other things that we've seen so we can give this information very quickly and it seems like oh my gosh we're so skilled and we're so talented and this is just natural we've put in the work (laughs) trust me my if you were there in my first year readings they were slow and just torturous almost that's what it felt like compared to what they can be now and unless you're actually doing it you would be better off putting yourself out there and practicing and getting more confident and learning more than you would be just sitting there ho-humming, thinking that you don't have all the gifts that you actually do. You're just not applying them and learning and growing your own like personal database of information uh, in order to be a really great reader or light healer. So if you're hesitating, if you're holding back, you are your own biggest block. You got to go out there and you got to start practicing and you're going to screw them up and you're going to have bad readings and bad sessions. And, but you're going to learn with every single one of them and every single one of them, you're going to get a little bit better until you've opened that channel and you'll be amazing. And everybody that's listening has the possibility to do that, but you got to practice. Yes. And if you are not going into the healing arts, but you are a light worker, just recognize the power of kindness, the power of, you know, sharing a kind word with someone, complimenting on somebody, helping somebody with someone, or just handing light out or throwing sparkles to the people you pass. Thank you everybody for being here and listening and supporting us. I am going to be announcing opening up my schedule and some new offerings in the next couple of months. And Jude has new things happening. So it would be a good idea to get on our individual email list so that you can stay abreast of what's happening. And you can do that in our link tree off of our Instagram or at uh, pdavispsychic.com or wingandether.com or alignandshinekawaii.com through our website so you can join that. And we love and appreciate you. And we're so thankful for the donations that you have given us to help us keep this going. And also for the wonderful feedback and messages that we get. We love and appreciate you all. Thank you, everybody. And a big gratitude, love to all of the listeners and all of the light workers out there who are here doing the work, making this world a better place. Much love and aloha. Take care.